it's time to spill the tea. Lair. Uh, I currently teach um, design technology here at NEDO. I teach IB design technology and I also teach an elective called uh, Design Lab. Um, this is my first year at NEDO. Prior to this I taught in Massachusetts, United States for 12 years. And then prior to that I was in Brazil uh, for five years and then prior to that I was in Venezuela for six years and then prior to that I taught in Canada for seven years. So. Um, I'm in my 30th year of, of teaching. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so can you just share about um, what your son Max has gone through? Yeah, um, so the reason, maybe I can kind of like back up a little sure. bit here. So the reason um, that some students here at, at NIDO might know about my son is because my son was, the, was involved in a, a project that I undertook when I lived in Massachusetts. Um, started about seven years ago, and um, that project led to something happening um, over about a 10 second period that uh, changed my professional life. So the reason I'm here teaching design technology uh, at NIDA was because of a project that I did with a group of students and, and my son um, that kind of changed my professional trajectory. So. So to kind of provide a little bit of context for this, in about 2013, um, I was just kind of, it was late at night and I was, I was reading some Facebook postings and somebody I knew who lived in, in Brazil had posted something on her Facebook feed about uh, a 3D printable prosthetic. And um, this is not something I thought very much about and in fact I didn't really even know at that time what 3D printing was. Um, but I watched this video and as I watched this video I got like, some goosebumps and got a little bit choked up um, because the video was about these guys who had created um, this, this, as I mentioned, a 3D printable prosthetic that anybody around the world could make. And so the reason I sort of got so emotionally, I don't know, affected by it was my son Max um, was born in 2010 with um, something called Symbrachydactyly and that's a condition that affected the way that his fingers grew on his right hand. And so it seemed like watching this video that he might be a good um, candidate for a possible sort of prosthetic. We weren't looking for to, to get a prosthetic for him. He was still really young at the time, he was only three. Um, but I really like the idea of sort of a DIY, do-it-yourself prosthetic. And so I Skyped with the guys who had created it. They were two guys, one guy was in uh, South Africa, and the other guy was in Washington uh, State in the US. And so I Skyped with them, and then in the course of that Skype conversation, I realized that that might make a very cool project to do with some eighth grade students. Um, at the time, I was teaching uh, eighth grade science in Massachusetts. Uh, so I'm a science teacher by training, and so I kind of put out the call for any eighth graders that might be interested in helping me with this project, and I got about 12 kids, and over the course of that year, um, we found the 3D printer, we found all the different components and things like that, and then we created this device that we then, in about April of that school year, we presented to Max, and um, I made reference earlier in this interview to a 10-second period that kind of changed my my life really. Those 10 seconds were when, when my students gave Max, Max this device and he was able to pick up um, some objects, some blocks and things with his right hand which he hadn't been able to do before. 
Um, and so that just kind of like really made me rethink, really rethink everything about education. Like here was a new technology that my students could use to create something really interesting for them, but also something that had the potential to like really profoundly affect somebody else's life. And I'm still living the effects of that moment where I'm now like really committed to the idea of students creating real solutions to real problems that I kind of started with that project. That's amazing. So what were things that Max couldn't do that now he like he feels he has the ability? Like how did it change his life? Like you live with him, you know his daily basis. Yeah. Did it make him feel special? So that is an excellent question. So um, the way to answer that is to kind of give you a sense of like how the device works. So these devices, uh, there's the whole functional side of it. So when he put it on the device, it's not robotic it's, or electronic, it's all mechanical. So he just bends his wrist and the fingers move and then he bends up his wrist and the fingers open. So from a functional side, it wasn't really such a big thing. Like it really was in that first time when he actually was able to use it to pick up those blocks. Like that was really, you know, we actually filmed it and so we caught some footage of him doing it. And that was a really profound moment for the students that had been involved in the project and for Max too as well. Um, but after about six months, he lost interest in using the device. It just wasn't, it wasn't functional enough Wait, to be able to do how that. how old was he So he was, by this point, he was just about to turn four. So he used the device maybe for a year or so, kind of on and off. Um, so it wasn't really functionally such a life changer for him, but it did, um, it did a few things. There's sort of a um, social-emotional kind of piece where he had this like now bright green like plastic sort of like superhero hat that some older kids had made for him, and when he wore it into school, like kids' minds would be sort of blown because he was a boy. He was like, so this is this really cool thing for him to be able to communicate to other kids like who he was and how he was. Um, but then it also led to all these like amazing opportunities. So um, I don't know if you know, do you know PBS Kids? Yeah. Yeah. So they did a little video about Max and our project. And now that video has like over 2 million views. And so it also sort of thrust him into this like world where a lot of people saw the project. Um, there were a lot of people that became really interested in that work. So Google flew us out to Silicon Valley. And Max and I presented to a group of, to like um, a whole bunch of people at their IO conference, and um, I don't know, just like those sorts of things that would have never happened if we hadn't done it. But it's also kind of put us in this um, like deep in this world of, of what's called the maker movement, where people are um, finding new technologies that allow them to like create really cool things or really interesting solutions to problems. So we are now like deep in that movement, both Max and me. Probably a little bit more me just because now that's my professional career, but Max as well. And so Max is now really interested in technology and things to do with 3D printing and design and stuff like that. So I think I think the long range impact for him will be much more his interests and the experiences that he will have as opposed to like any functional things. But I would have to say um, that one of the coolest things that we saw was as soon as he started to use the prosthetic, like I felt like we saw 
he'll start to use the hand that he was born with much more frequently. And I like to think of it that I think like the, the prosthetic just allowed his brain to sort of make some connections that made him think, oh yeah, my right hand is as useful as my, my left yeah. hand. It's just, it's different. And, and so I think then when he stopped using the, when I said that he stopped using the prosthetic, you got sad. You sort of went, oh, like for me, like I love the fact that eventually he was using his hand like, like, I, I played baseball with him. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you probably know he's like developed yeah. this really interesting way of playing baseball. Like he uses the same hand to catch and to throw. So he's like developed this really cool technique of shifting the glove over, taking the ball, and um, we we figured that out by watching some video uh, footage of um, a guy named Jim Abbott, who's a professional ball player, and we just like used the same sort of problem solving um, technique that. I'm trying to teach my students. So really, um, yeah, so really there's been some amazing things that have been hap that happened that have nothing to do with the prosthetic as well. Yeah, and it really puts things into perspective, like how much we have to be grateful for, even just the little things. So have there been other projects? Like these were people as young as eighth graders, but maybe things you yourself have worked on or just are thinking about working on. Yeah, that's an awesome question. So, um, a couple of things happened. Um, so that first project wasn't even a class, it was just a club that I had, that kids met once every week kind of thing. So, so eventually I realized those students who had been in that project had this amazing experience. I wanted to broaden that. So I started to do that sort of work actually in my science class and then it really started to take off. So whereas it started with just a handful of students at, at the school, eventually we had all of our sixth, seventh, and eighth graders involved in technology projects where they were creating um, real like solutions for, for, for others. And not even just prosthetics, but we started to do this project that was very similar, but we had our kids designing um, what we call assistive devices for senior citizens. Um, and that turned into this like major thing where our kids developed these like, really deep relationships with senior citizens and we were using technology to help them. So not just like 3D printing assistive devices like a, I don't know, like a card holder or something to help them open bottles, or things. but we also used like VR as well. So we, we, we did these little VR tours for them where they would go back to their you know their homes or they would go to their school and they would look around and and so really we really started to pioneer this really cool idea of using technology as a as a kind of you uniter or a unifier as opposed to like sometimes technology can be very um isolating right yeah. you sort of get looking at your t computer screen and you're like <laughs> cut off with people what we started to do is look for new sort of cutting edge technology to really really like build community that's amazing. Yeah, there's so much in the world of technology, and I think everyone can do as little as they can like that. Yeah, yeah. Even just producing ideas. But it's amazing what you're doing. Thanks. Um, and we hope that Max continues to grow and yeah. love being himself. Yeah, what I'm really hoping is, um, so the work I was doing in Massachusetts was really with quite young students, like 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Um, so I'm really excited about the prospect of doing this work with the older students here at Nido. And we've just started to explore the idea of the problem bank, where yeah. we, get, we get people from the community to submit problems and then get our students to design the solutions. And I kind of feel like this is 
we really just sort of piloted it in the first um, semester of Design Lab, and now we're ready for it to just explode. So let's, let's hope it happens. That's great. Thank you so much awesome. for your time. Happy to do it. Join us for the tea. <laughs> next time. No. We hope next episode. We hope you join us next time for the tea. <laughs>